0: I can't believe just the amount of wrapping paper I burned yesterday. Um, I live out in the country now, so I can burn it. Um, Actually, I'm not sure I'm still supposed to, but um, it's just the amount of wrapping paper itself that I burned yesterday. And as I was sitting there watching it burn, there was this sense that every wrapping paper, every square foot of wrapping paper represented some amount of money that was spent on my kids and on me and all this in the pursuit of what? You know, and, and I'm I, I'm not going to stand up today and tell you that it was worthless and we shouldn't do it and that I'm sad we did. I the happiness that I saw on my kids face was fantastic. But what was best is that at one point I watched my son Reese, seven years old. He got a he got a modulus, which you probably don't know what that is. I wouldn't either if it weren't for him. But it's a it's a Nerf gun that will go in about 19 different positions, and you can do all this stuff with it. And he got, everything else he got was Star Wars, just Star Wars and the Modulus. So he could either shoot something or celebrate somebody that's shooting something. That's, that's Christmas to him. Um, and it was all wrapped up under the tree, and he opened up a couple things, and he got really excited, and then there was this moment where, and I got, I got a picture of it, where he is pushing his presents aside, the ones that have his name on it, looking for the ones that have his sister's name on it, and the ones that have his mom's name, are, the ones that he bought, bought you know nana takes them shopping every year and they buy mom spends all the money and they buy for for us and he had this moment where he was pushing away unwrapped christmas presents to look for presents to give other people i thought that's happy that's joy and the the truth is we lose that as adults we we start grabbing for the things that have our name on it and we quit pushing those things away in favor of giving and when you can give, and I don't mean just Christmas gifts, when you can give of your time, this, this next week here, a lot of you have some time off of vacation. It's one thing to get some work done around the house. This is what I, I'm excited about. I got some time off and I got a garage that needs to be clean. I got electrical problems. I got a roof that's leaking. I just fi- found out last night. I got all these things that are happening. And my initial thought is I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done. But the truth is what my kids want most from me is not wrapped up under the tree. It is full, 100% attention on them. And some of you in this place have given up money and given gifts, but have not given eye contact. You have not given a moment with the people that you love. Full attention, 100%, not watching the football game, <laughs> not fixing something, not doing this, not doing... 100% attention. And, and I'm going to encourage you, um, as you dig into 2016, to spend this week paying attention to that. But as we do that, I, I, I want to talk about a fresh start and what it might look like. Um, as I've gotten to know some of you, we, we use this phrase a lot over here, a, a deep breath, a fresh start. These, these moments where we have people come in these doors a lot, which is one of the things I'm so proud of who wouldn't really come into another church. They feel comfortable here because they have heard that this is a place where I might be able to get a fresh start. That somehow I don't have to start, I don't have to change everything I'm doing and then come to the church. That somehow this church and and knowing Jesus in this way will move me to become the kind of person that I want to be and I don't have to be something to get here. That is a huge deal. But in the same time, we have got to in this place. In 2016, it has got to happen and it's got to start. With some pretty serious programming things that we're going to do. Give you opportunities to start new things in your life, new traditions, new daily habits, new disciplines. New ways of talking about people, new ways of not talking about people, new ways of thinking about people, new ways of not thinking about people. All of those things we want to develop in 2016. And, and what happens is, if we're not careful, we begin to make plans the way we make plans to lose weight or to do other things when it comes to New Year's resolutions. And we just say, I'm just going to try harder, right? In 2016, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to eat less sweets. Well, what's your plan? Not going to eat as many sweets. Fail by January 3rd, right? Because you don't really have a plan. You just have decided that your willpower is going to be stronger next year, but with no history to back you up and no plan to make things change. The same thing will happen to you spiritually. If you come into this place and say, I'm going I'm to start fresh. Ooh, that was loud. I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to have a new life spiritually in 2016. That's great, and it's great intention. But unless you do something different, you will get the same outcome in 2016 that you got this year. So I want to start to talk about what that might look like. Um, Deuteronomy says this about, about your life and about the way we think about our lives. You know, the older you are, the, the way that, that uh, the Bible talks about your life, um, and in fact, in, in this part of history, um, the early part of, of God kind of revealing himself to humans Um, people, people thought of themselves as the older they got, the more they had when it came to their bodies, when it came to their mind, and when it came to their experience. They, they put a lot of weight on experience, and the reason is because they felt like if they have been through and made a mistake before, it was the best way for them to make better choices in the future. You, you make a mistake and you don't step there again, right? It's like, learn, following around my wiener dog, God rest his soul, um, but when I follow around my wiener dog, I knew where he liked to lay his business. And I knew every time I went in to, to, to go into the kitchen with the lights off, I knew where not to step before. And there is a sense that when it comes to um, your life, that, that um, the, the Old Testament talks about your life as though you have that opportunity. In fact, here's what it says. Be careful. <laughs> just reminds me of Bogie and all the places I used to step. Be careful and watch yourself closely. So the original language there sounds something like, you have been down this path before. You have had the opportunities to take the right path or the wrong path before. You have, had, you have stepped in that hole in the past. You know, those of you who walk um, through the woods or like to take hikes, if you take the same hike over and over um, I'm, I'm hoping to get into trail running this year, and I've done just little of it to know that the one time I, the, the first time I did it, I face planted, hit my face right down, and my brother kind of laughed, and it hurt really bad. And he, you know, the, 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 our relationship is the more it hurts, the more he laughs. Um, but I, I face planted, and he was behi- he was in front of me, and he turned around. And his first question was, "Are you okay?" And as soon as he found out I was okay, he just doubled over, hysterically laughing. Um, and when, when we got through, I said, man, it was that stump right there. And he said, well, you won't do that again. <laughs> you won't trip over that one again, right? And, and the truth is, I looked at it when he said that, and I thought, now I won't. Now, now I won't. Now I'll remember. We take this trail again. I'll be thinking. And I looked around, and I saw the trees that were close to it, and I saw where it was next to the lake. And I thought, next time I get in front of that... Before it comes to me, I'm going to remember, don't trip over that stupid thing, right? That is the language used in Deuteronomy, because they walk everywhere they go. They take the same path everywhere they go all the time. The language is like, listen, you know what's coming. Stop stepping there. Avoid the things that you have already done in your life. I'm hoping this morning that you've got a quiet enough breath with God that he is speaking into your heart right now. Going, you are 53 years old. How many times do you have to trip over that same stump? Now, Deuteronomy says, be careful. And that's what he means. Look at the things that you have gone through in your life, the decisions that you've made, the problems that come up. When those come up again, be careful, be mindful of what's happened in the past. Be careful and watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. M- my mom and dad sit around the uh, the fireplace in our cabin a lot um, and tell stories. And the stories usually are pretty funny. Um, and often those stories involved an animal that got loose in our house or something that's pretty funny. But it, it always our stories always kind of end back to... Do you remember how we felt when, during John's divorce and how we got desperate to save his marriage and we, we said things and did things and we, we called people names at times and we, and we begin to we don't want to drudge up stuff from the past but there's this moment where we go we're not going to live like that again. It's one of the things I admire most about my parents. The mistakes they've made they're gladly talk about. They, they want to tell you where the The foot problems are, where the path has a hole in it, so that you don't make the same mistake they did. And I think as we get older, the strength of this congregation, and we have missed that here at New Life, we have missed sitting together on a regular basis and being able to say, I know what it's like to have four kids in your house and want to take a vacation and want to do this. I have been there and I made this mistake or I did this wrong or what you need is this type of support. We haven't done that at New Life since I've been here. We haven't had that kind of a a relationship with one another. That's going to change this year. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do life together in that way. As we talk about a fresh start, what we always want to do, and and I I understand this, I feel this way too, is you always want to forget about the past, right? In fact, you'll even hear that. Some people will say, the way you move towards the future is is stop looking in the rearview mirror. The truth is, the Bible says, you need the rearview mirror. You need to be able to look and see. You need to re- be reminded of some of the bad decisions you made so you don't do them again. Yesterday is really important to your fresh start in 2016. Philippians is about tomorrow. Philippians, Paul talks a lot about the future. He talks about what he is doing with his life and why he is going through. Now, you, uh, uh, many of us use the word persecution. And if you use that word, um, well, just don't use that word, okay? Okay? If you're an American, you're probably not being persecuted. (laughs) I don't care who tells you you can't read the Bible in school. I don't care. That's not persecution. What Paul dealt with was persecution. This man was persecuted in a way that none of us in this room have ever seen or ever will see. A man who had to run from place to place, hoping he would make it through the day. Because if somebody stopped him and asked him what he did and found out that he was a Christian, he could be killed on the spot, legally, right there, right then. And he starts to say, what, what do I need to do in my life to get a fresh start? What do I need to do when things seem so hard, when they seem so bad, when they seems like I just can't do anymore? What do I need to do? And this is his advice. So if you feel that way today and you start going, I don't even care about 2016. I've got to get through this week. And maybe you're so frustrated, so tired. There's a lot of people listening online right now. Um, We get emails, and I I get Facebook messages all the time from people I don't even know that have found us somehow, by the grace of God, have found our website or have found these sermons and are at the end of their rope. You must be at the end of your rope if you're listening to me because your grandma or your great-grandma told you you should listen to me. If, If I'm your last resort, you're at the end of your rope. And if you're listening to this and you're in the room or you're in the car today, you need to know. That there is a way to get a fresh start. That there is hope available. Paul says this. This is what happens. And if, if, you, if you read this piece of scripture, if you've read this before, I'd love for you to picture Paul in a cave. Have you ever done that when you've read this scripture? Because Paul was in a cave a lot. Paul was the kind of guy that ended up hiding. He ended up sometimes hiding and sometimes fighting. But often scared or in fear of his life. And when he wrote this, there was a good chance that he was in fear of his life. And he said, forgetting what is behind. Now, he's talking about a different kind of thing than Deuteronomy. He's talking about the persecution. He's talking about the pain. He's not talking about the mistakes. He's talking about that pain. Being able to somehow put the pain away. And straining towards what's next. What's ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. His prize is heaven now he has this hope of uh, on earth that is different than the rest of the people who have gone through the pain because he has got Jesus in his life and he talks about that so much but his hope is the future and when he talks about the future he talks about it with such hope and it's an amazing way to talk about the future and as you but one of the things I want you to know that as we move into this 2016 season is that there is hope No matter how many times you've been there, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how far you have felt from God, this year, there's hope. This picture of Paul, um, the picture he paints in Greek, and this happens a lot. They use a lot of sports terminology. Um, If you've read about the Greeks, there's a lot of sports. uh, The Olympics um, were a, a major part of Greek culture. Um, and sports was a big deal, and, he, and Paul uses a lot of sports analogies. And this is actually, this you know, when he says "win the prize," this is a sports analogy. Um, and w- when he talks about pressing on towards the goal, it's the picture of the horse that that is trying to reach out its neck, you know, right when it's getting to the finish line, and it's got to push forward just a little bit. Paul's neck is probably straining as he writes this to say, "I am pushing." towards the goal i am reaching i'm pressing on and it's something i'd like to begin to use with you i'd like for you to use this with each other man how am i going to move forward you need to press on you need to reach out there is hope one of the things we're going to do here in 2016 i'm really excited about Um, we're going to get together a lot and i am going to have um and i don't know how often this is going to happen and I'm, i'm trying to be conservative with my promises Um, But we're going to have at least a weekly word of hope from New Life. Facebook, email, you'll be able to sign up for it in a few different ways. Um, And we're going to have just a moment of hope. And what we'd like for you to do is to use it to bring hope to you and your family, but also to forward it to people, to move other people towards hope. I am tired, and I don't mean just of New Life, I'm tired of the church being the voice of of fear, of anger, of frustration, and we in 2016 are going to be the voice of hope to a generation that desperately needs it. So if you've got friends, family, who feel hopeless, you've got friends that aren't Christians who feel completely hopeless right now, in 2016, I want you to start praying. Even this week, start praying for how you can be hope to them. Now the thing is, it's, it's, it's just religion if you don't have the hope first. If you're trying to impose it on somebody else and you don't have it first, it's just religion. And nobody wants religion. So what we're going to do in 2016 is give you tools, give you opportunities to, to use on social media, uh, in email, and in, in, in even physical mail. When I was a kid, my mom, and I think it's time to do this again, my, I would wake up in the morning and my mom would have scripture on the mirror. Sometimes she'd write it in lipstick. Sometimes she'd post it with a post-it note sometimes I I would read it and sit there brushing my teeth reading this piece of scripture and then I would open the toilet to go to the bathroom and there'd be another scripture on the edge of the toilet (laughs) totally and I go and I'd pour my cereal and I look and I turn around the box to read the box because you always want to read the box of cereal I turn around and she put another post-it note with another sticker on the back of it and I remember when I was a kid going oh mom but I always read it and to this day I can remember one of them was her favorite was be kind one to another gentle gentle hearted forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you. She used to write that all the time, probably because my brother and I had, had been fighting or something. And she, she would write these things on our, on our mirrors. And, you know, Deuteronomy says, write the word of God and the love of God all over your house. Put it all over. Some of you have hanged pictures. You have done different things. You can go to the Christian bookstore and find something with a fish on it or something with a dove on it or something that brings hope into your home. I'm going to invite you this year to everywhere you go, to write it, to speak it, and to represent hope. Because hope is what God gave us to share. Now, we've messed that up, a lot of us. We felt like God gave us rules to share. So when we go into people who are making mistakes, we like to share the rules with them. But that's not what God gave us to give people. What God gave us to give other people is hope. And that's going to change your life in 2016. If you can represent hope, it will change your life. The truth is, you've got to aim at something this year. One of my favorite quotes is Zig Ziglar. You can take a picture of this on your phone and put it somewhere if you want. This would be a good thing to put on your toilet seat this year. Man, I'm a weird preacher, aren't I? <laughs> if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. But this is what we do, isn't it? Boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit eating so much sweets. That's really nothing. Unless you do something with it. Unless you have a plan. Unless you have a goal. Unless you, Just throwing something out there is not enough. You're aiming at nothing. Zig Ziglar says, you need to point your arrow in a direction. I'm going to ask the men in this church in 2016, those of you who have claimed Jesus, those of you who have been a member, maybe served in one way or the other, I'm going to ask you to step it up this year. Yeah, that's you. I'm going to ask you to step it up this year. I'm going to ask you to aim at something with your family. Well, what do you mean? I mean, we're going to pray every night together and not around dinner. I'm going to lead a prayer, no matter how awkward it is, I'm going to sit with my family and we're going to pray. At some point, maybe twice a week to start with. I'm going to ask you to step up this year. And when you do, I'm going to ask you to take another step. And the women in this place, I'm going to ask you to step up this year. I'm going to ask you to stop some of the things that are going on on Facebook. I'm going to ask you specifically to stop some of the posts and to replace them with something else. This year I'm going to ask you to step up specifically not randomly, not just generally. We're going to have some specific things that are positive, that are hopeful and that are joyful but that move us forward in this place. It's going to make some people mad. My hardest part of that is that often people get really comfortable and they don't like to be uncomfortable so when we start to make them uncomfortable they decide they want to go someplace where they can be more comfortable and that it's going to happen, and I'm sorry, and my heart's already breaking for it. We're not going to be comfortable this year. We're going to move forward. We're going to continue to be who God wants us to be, and we're going to aim at specific things this year that will change who we are. I love this piece of scripture, and this is where I want to lead you today. You've heard this probably before. It's about a man named Zacchaeus, um, and Zacchaeus, well, he was a wee little man. Um, wee little man was he. Um, little, little tiny guy, we don't know how big he was in real life, um, probably had some sort of a stunted growth issue because when, when the Bible talks about him, there, it, it's, it mentions it over and over and over again, um, how, how small he was. Almost every time Zacchaeus is mentioned, it, it, it mentions his height. And so there was probably some sort of a stunted growth issue or some sort of a disease with Zacchaeus. Um, that caused him to be shorter and obviously had some sort of maybe even a Napoleon syndrome. He had, to, you know, he had those, those moments where he wanted to be the tough guy. And he was thought of as sort of the worst of the worst. Uh, Zacchaeus was thought of as the, the, the worst of the worst because he was allowed to collect taxes from people. And the way it worked at this point is you were, if you wanted to be a tax collector, for one thing, you had to kind of be, already know that people were going to hate you. And be okay with that. You know people like that. They don't care if people hate them or not. They just want to make money. That's where Zacchaeus was. He just wanted to make money. And so, first of all, you had to be that kind of person. Then you could go to the Roman government. And if you got selected, and some, they had all different kinds of ways to select who got to be tax collectors. If you got s- selected, the government would tell you how mu- what percentage you needed to collect from people. And then you can collect whatever you want for yourself. So if you get 20%, 30% from the government, 40%, Zacchaeus then could go in and take another 40 for himself or whatever he could get from him and people knew this and it was legal and he did it and he was a multi-billionaire in their terms because of this people hated him in fact the people that hated him most were the poor people the people that he taxed the people that were following Jesus and in Luke chapter 19 Jesus enters this town called Jericho and I've been there in fact um, when I was there I've got a big picture of this I, I meant to put it on here and I forgot and realized on the way here today I've got a picture of Jericho right now. There's a school that we were passing, and there's a big hole in this school. And as we were going, I asked the tour guide, what is that? What's the deal with that? And she goes, oh, yeah, that was a missile. That happened last week. Um, went right through that school right there. There aren't any kids in the room in, in, in that building anymore. <laughs> you know, that's where Jericho is now. It is a, it, it was a, um, it's a pretty treacherous place now. And at, that, at times throughout history it has been. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through which is a good thing to do if you have to go through Jericho is just pass through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. So not only was he a bad guy, he was a chief bad guy. You know those? <laughs> you know, not only is he representing an immoral thing and doing this awful thing, he was like the best at it. He wanted to see Jesus, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, He could not see over the crowd. And, you know, these crowds would be thousands at times. So even if you weren't short, often you couldn't see Jesus. But he decided, I'm going to see this guy, so he climbs a tree. And and as a sycamore tree, I I think it it rhymes well that way, too. Um, He climbs up the sycamore tree to see what he could see, if you know the song. Um, But this sycamore tree, um, sycamore fig tree, he climbed up as high as he could and waited for Jesus. Now, can you imagine what it's like to be a, a guy that everybody hates? Hoping nobody sees you climb this tree. Now, it says sycamore fig tree. Um, When I was in Israel, there are fig trees everywhere. And I'd never had a fig until I actually went um, to Israel. But the thing about them is these branches are pretty, the fig branches are often kind of small, and they're not very strong. So, I mean, he would have had to stay close to the trunk and probably broke some fig off and probably stuff falling, figs falling out of the tree, all these things. He finally gets into the tree, and can you just imagine? I mean, he's got to sit in a tree, waiting for somebody who he knows disagrees with his lifestyle in a group of people that hate him. And he was so desperate to see Jesus. He just, he just wanted a, a glimpse of Jesus. I, I want to remind you that your job as members of this congregation or attenders of this congregation is to, is to keep people seeing Jesus. Jesus. There will be people in this community, there are people in this community that you could easily hate. Some of them because of the color of their skin, we have that issue in this place. Some of them because of the way the language they speak, some of them because of something they've done specifically to you or your family. You need to know that they want to see Jesus. The deepest part of who they are. I as much of money as he had and as well off as Zacchaeus was, something in him was desperate for Jesus. So desperate that he climbed this tree, and Jesus was coming that way. We don't know how long he sat in it, but next slide, Tanya. But finally, Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. Now what's interesting is, everybody knows who Zacchaeus, or a lot of people know who he was. They had to either ignore him or not see him. But here's the thing, he wanted to see Jesus, and apparently Jesus wanted to see him. Because he stopped and looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus? Now can you imagine, you're a little guy, I mean, people know who you are, Jesus probably knew who he was, but people don't call you by name, they call you names, and Jesus looks up at this little dude and says, hey, Zach. <laughs> he Goes, whoa, either he's heard about me, or he's God and he knows me, either way, it freaks me out a little bit. So he came down. Jesus, or he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And if Jesus paused there, he's thinking, well, I'm going to get stoned. <laughs> I'm going to get killed by this mob. So Jesus says, I must stay at your house today. I think Jesus said that for a few reasons. Number one was because he knew he needed to be in the life of Zacchaeus. He needed to not just be a moment. He needed to not just be a passing by thing in their life, which we have that problem in this place. We have people come in here, have a pass by moment with Jesus, get baptized and we never see him again and they just sort of pass by. That's not what Jesus wants from you. He wants to come to your house. He wants to be where you are and he tells Zacchaeus, if you want a different kind of life, I got to go where you are. He also did it because there were a whole bunch of religious people around and he loved to make religious people mad, and it made them really mad that Jesus would hang out with such an awful person as Zacchaeus. So he came down, and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this, and you can imagine what this would be like, and they begin to mutter. Blah, 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 blah. If they were on Facebook, they'd be posting immediately. Instagram pictures with the little guy calling him names. He's gone to be with the get, be the guest of a sinner. And somebody blamed him for that a few times in his life, Jesus, and we have record of it. A couple times people would say, "I can't believe you're you're hanging out with sinners." And Jesus said, "That's why I came. It's, it's the sick who need a doctor. You healthy people that just hang out all the time together, you're ruining this thing. You're messing this up. It's the sick who need a doctor." Jesus said, "It's the sinners that I came to be with, but Zacchaeus stood up. There's something in the demeanor of Jesus that changed Zacchaeus immediately. When the people were muttering, everybody hears. You know, Zacchaeus knew the people were muttering. They knew what he was saying. Something about the look of Jesus made Zacchaeus stand up anyway. He stood up and he said to the Lord, "Look, here and now I give." half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You know, what's interesting about Zacchaeus, smart dude, he knows that if you're going to have a fresh start, you don't say, I'm going to make a change in my life, randomly and generally. No, you say, here's what I'm going to do now to hit this thing right between the eyes. I'm going to take the very worst part of who I am and I'm going to hit it where it hurts the most. I am going to take this greed problem I have and I'm not going to just pay people back. I am going to give them four times what they have. Do you know what that would do to a family? Four times what I've stolen from them. I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, well, you sure should because you're an evil person. Now get out of my face and grow up. No, he said, today... Salvation has come to your house. 2016. Some of you have Jesus. But you've never really felt saved. What if in 2016 salvation could come to your house? What if you didn't leave Jesus at church? What if you didn't leave Jesus wherever you found him, but you brought him home? It changed the way you live your life here's what Zacchaeus did that I think we could learn from and as you start your fresh start next slide there Tanya when if you wanted salvation in your home if you want this thing to permeate who you are and this is where we're headed Um, this is where my wife and I are going to take our family this year where we want you to take yours first he made the past as right as he could He looked at the stuff that was going on in his life. He didn't just cut ties with everybody. He didn't just say, from now on, anybody I come in contact with, I'm going to be different. He said, for all of those who I have touched and I have hurt, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do the best I can to fix the messed up things I've caused. Some of you in this place, you've tried to move forward without fixing the things that are within your power to fix. This year, what is it? Write it down. I could do better fixing this from my past I've told you before about the letter I wrote to my wife my ex-wife many years ago it changed my life I don't know if it did hers or not but it changed mine writing her a letter and realizing that there were some unfinished business some things that I needed to do somebody had convinced me that my job was not just to move forward and ignore the past but to do everything I can to make the past right it's part of what God wants for you he also looked to make changes in his future. Specific, actual things he pointed at in his life. Anybody I cheated. Now, wouldn't it wouldn't be interesting, you know, how it works with anything else that you commit to in your life. You get a couple weeks away from the decision, the emotion goes away, and you start going, Man, remember when I used to charge people like five, six times what I'm charging them now? Sure be nice to have that all that money. But he made a specific commitment. All right, if, if, if I charge them five times again, that means I've got to pay them four times that five times when Jesus comes back to town, right? He had these specific things, and he was held accountable to by Jesus. We're going to ask you to, um, as we move forward in 2016 with this, with this new plan for getting together and doing life in circles and doing life in groups, we're going to ask you to keep each other accountable. Man, it's so much easier when, I, when Risha and I make the commitment together about food you know when we both make the commitment together and i go and i start looking at something and she's eating a little kale and i'm reaching for a piece of chocolate and we made that commitment together and i went "Ugh, i gotta stop now it's also pretty easy for us both to just get a milkshake at the same time um, which we've done on occasion but we're going to ask you to to make changes to the future that are specific some of you have been doing the jesus thing so long that you have settled into a groove you know what i mean You've found a real groove when it comes to religion and faith. I, I can pretty much live however I want to, and come to church, feel better about it, serve a little bit, wrap a couple presents, put them under the Christmas tree for people I don't know, feel a little bit better about it, and then go right back to my groove. And you need to know that it's not what God intends for your life. What le- leads to peace and hope and joy that you've always wanted in your life, the deepest part of who you are, is moving forward, making specific changes that lead you to be who He wants you to be. And then the thing that I love most about the Zacchaeus story is that he just does it now. I think this is probably the, heart, the, the thing that impedes us the most when it comes to major life change and when it comes to spiritual life change is that I'll do that later. I've got a friend right now who um, is going through some terrible things with alcohol, and his brother is 24. He's in his 30s, and his brother is trashed every night, partying every weekend, barely can get out of work to go or out of bed to go to work. I mean, just constantly trash, constantly partying. And his comment is always, Well, when I grow up, I'll stop. His brother said the same thing. He's thirty two and he just lost his wife and his kids because of alcoholism. So his brother went to him and I was sitting there and man was it emotional. We were at Starbucks in Bloomington his the brother that just got caught with alcohol and lost his family sat with his twenty four year old brother and said, When, what day what time what how old will you be when you finally grow up that's what i thought too the the problem is we with changes we always say tomorrow right well i'll eat the rest of this chocolate today and monday i'm starting right well i'm gonna smoke this last pack i mean shoot they're expensive right smoke this last pack and i'm gonna start when this pack's gone yeah then all of a sudden you find another pack don't you i got to do it again. This is what happens to our life, both in discipline, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to physical things, whatever it is. And Zacchaeus goes, no, I'm not going to be convenient about this. I'm not going to wait for a moment. Right here, right now, I'm going to make a change. He did it in front of all these people that, he had, that hated him. He did it in front of God, literally in front of Jesus himself. He said these things so that he had to be accountable. And it wasn't going to start Monday morning. It wasn't going to start next tax season. It's going to start right now. All right, band, you can come up. The thing I like most about this is that it's, it's up to you today. This is up to you. If you want to, you can go home and this is what Christians like to say. Well, I'll pray about that. Somehow that sounds spiritual, but Zacchaeus didn't pray about it. He just started. Some of you are living lives that you would have never thought you could have ever, you never found yourself here before. I never would have thought I'd be here. This is the day. This is the moment to say, I'm going to make a change. Here are the specific changes. So what are you aiming at this year? What is it in your past that you need to make sure you don't trip over in 2016? (laughs) Maybe you've got some specific names that came to mind for you. You won't believe the freedom that comes when you make the past as right as you can make it. I'm going to give you a chance today to start right now. This would be great. The week between Christmas and New Year's for you to say, today's the day. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to give you this chance today. Um, I'm going to be right back in the back. I'd be glad to pray with you about this, but these, ch- these steps up here, we've used this a lot. I can't tell you how many times I've been on my knees on one of these stairs praying, God, today's the day. I'm going to make a change. This would be your chance today. You don't have to do it, but if you want that moment where you, you kind of have to step, you kind of have to do something, maybe the, maybe the thing for you to do is to come up here during this song today and to pray, God, I want change. I'll be back there in the corner if you need me to pray with you, but this was between you and God today. Would you hit 2016 with a fresh start and a new emphasis on doing life the way God intended? Let's stand up and sing together.